Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is a big Tony Romo fan, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm, I love Romo. Uh, his analysis is great. Um, and uh, I know some people have been saying he's taking a hit this year. I don't agree. I, I just think he's a little bit unconventional. Um, and, and people you know don't like that too much. But I do like Tony Romo. And next year... We're gonna be getting uh, Tom Brady, who supposedly, like people have said, has been like excellent at doing this type of thing. So I'm really excited for Brady to be on the desk because uh, I don't really like him as a player that much. So on the desk, I, I'm very excited to see. I'm sure you guys are excited uh, that that Brady will be hitting the desk. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Of course, the third member of this podcast, my old college roommate, um, a guy that I consider to be a six out of ten gentleman. That would of course be Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? What does a six out of ten mean? Yeah, you're you're in the middle. In terms of what? Just, you know, you're in the middle. All right, fair enough. I'm not gonna <laughs> argue that. How are you doing today, Benny? I'm good. I can't complain. Um, it is what it is. All good right, hey, we like we like to hear that. I guess let's let's get right into it, uh, guys, because we 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 got a good amount to talk about. Obviously, we have the Super Bowl this coming weekend. College basketball has been crazy, and that's where we're gonna start. Trevor, I was talking right before we started. Um, the pod here, and I was like, I feel like this college basketball year has been so great. Like, I haven't caught enough games that I actually want to catch, but we've had so many upsets, just like collectively on the year. It doesn't seem like any team is too great, or like, you know, like obviously there's bad teams, but like, you know, the top 30 teams, it seems like there's a lot of good teams in college basketball, and yesterday did not disappoint. A lot of upsets in college basketball. Why don't you run us through some of the games that you were able to catch? Yeah, so so a couple of the well, I'll just start with a couple of the big upsets. We had uh, Virginia Tech at home. They beat number six Virginia. Obviously, not great for us, Brandon, as Virginia is one of our teams. It is not in our pool. That's an uh, important team. Yeah, it's we need, an, them, we it's need them to win the ACC. Yes, we do. And um, they they now fold a nine and three in the ACC. I believe they're still uh, first or at least tied for first. But Virginia Tech did beat them. And this game, you know, I thought it was a good game overall. Virginia Tech got the win. They led for most of it, but Virginia tried to make a comeback near the end. And I think the most surprising thing about this game is that Virginia Tech, like, I'm I'm surprised at how much they've struggled this season. They're 14 and nine now, four and eight in the ACC coming in this season. I thought they were going to be a pretty good team, obviously. Last year, they had that run in the ACC Conference Tournament uh, where they went on the run, got them into the uh, NCAA Tournament with Hunter Couture hitting all those threes and stuff. And they've struggled. I thought they were going to be a good team in the ACC this year, maybe top four, top five. But they've struggled. But now they get the win against Virginia. And watching the game, I was like, I I just couldn't understand how they've been so bad this year based on how they played in that game. Um, another upset, obviously, Indiana defending home court on uh, Assembly Hall. They beat Purdue. Big rivalry game there. And both of these games were court stormings, Ben, I got to say. Um, so, so Ben, I'll, I'll go to you. What do you think about that? I about to say, let's get to, let's get to the court storming <laughs> corner. The court uh, storming. Ben O'Brien, uh, we got two court stormings. Let's go through it one by one. What, what's the first one, Trevor? So the first one is Virginia Tech. Uh, they beat Virginia, you know, 74-68. They storm the floor. You know, they're, it is a rivalry game, and you could say Virginia, they're number six. Virginia Tech's obviously not ranked. They're near the bottom of the ACC. So what, what are your thoughts on that one, Ben? Yeah, again, that's that's one of those, I don't love to see it, but I'll allow it. Um, it is a rivalry game. It's an unranked team at home beating a top whatever six team. 
Um, it's not the ideal court storming situation, but it's one of those things like I will allow it. I, I, I do think that they get a pass. I think uh, I, I can officially give them my stamp of approval on that one. All right. All Interesting. Right. All right. All right. I, that's one of the first ones you've like given a full stamp of approval on. Uh, it's not uh, a full stamp of, of approval. It's, it's like, like a, a half one. Like a half I don't stamp. love it. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you've given some half stamps before, so I, I thought that was a little more full. What's What's our next court storming, Trevor? Yeah. Uh, so the next one, Indiana beating Purdue. Now, big rivalry game. Indiana ranked number twenty-one. Purdue is the number one team in the country. They only have one loss. Um, and this was a, a game that Indiana led for almost the entire game. Purdue. Made a charge at the end, but ultimately Indiana held on, um, and obviously they stormed the court. So what do you think about this one? Obviously, Indiana, historically known as a blue blood, although I don't know if I would necessarily consider them a blue blood, but what do you think about this one, Ben? So number one team is big. A number one team on the road, that is always potential for a court storming. Um, The thing that bothers me a little bit is the fact that Indiana is ranked. Okay, and again, it's like the dumbest reason ever because if they were the 26th best team, I'd be all for it. But because they have a number next to their name, it implies that they're probably better than, well, I was, that was, I was about to say they're better than most teams. Obviously, they are, but they're better. They're, they're not as bad as you would think an opponent versus the number one team would be. Um, so at first, Trevor, when you texted us that there was a court storming Indiana versus number one Purdue at home, I'm, I'm all for that. Beat the number one team at home, absolutely. But the fact that they're ranked, and yes, it's not a top 10 team, it's 21. Um, it, that, I feel like that does take some away from it because there's something special about an unranked team beating the number one team at home. Um, the fact that they're rank, ranked, I do think, tarnishes it slightly. But number one team at home, um, you're, if, if Indiana was a top 10 team, I'd be completely against it. The fact that they're, you know, they're barely ranked, they're 21, I will, I will allow it. I will give that my full, the, a full stamp of approval on that one, Brandon. I was going to say, it, it's um, also got I, I fully support that one. It's also got to be worth something that this is a big rivalry. I mean, this yes, is absolutely. Battle of Indiana. So, like, I feel like, I feel like this is one of the, like, if you said this wasn't okay, I was going to veto that with my powers. I was just going to be like, no, this one's got to be okay. But I'm glad that you gave it that full stamp of approval. We love to. Hear yes, that. I, I, I will allow it, and I don't know, I don't know what the line is on that game. Um, I can, I can my, my biggest thing is like, if a team is a favorite, then there, you have no reason to ever storm the court. And I, I would assume that Indiana was not the favorite in that game. Um, in my opinion, a court storming should be a team that like wins that you're like, I can't believe this happened. They, there's no way, like nobody saw them winning. Um, in Indiana, I, I would imagine some people thought that they were going to win, at least give it a game. So. Again, I'm, I'm giving it my full stamp of approval, but I'm explaining why I, I think that there are way better situations that there could be a storm forming than a number 21 team beating a number one team at all. Yeah. Interesting. All right, Trevor, what else What else are we getting into here in college basketball? Yeah, absolutely. So a few other uh, big results. Obviously, we had a bunch of good games. The next one I'll go to is number 10 Texas beating number 7 Kansas State, 69-66. This was a very close game. Uh, came down to the wire, but Texas... They kind of came back toward the end, and they did get the win. So big win there for Texas. Um, I believe they now sit in first place in the Big 12 um, due to Kansas losing yesterday to Iowa State. Uh, 68-53. Iowa State was at home in this one. They led for the majority of the game, and uh, it wasn't really close. So big win for Iowa State. You know, Iowa State, they, they've been an interesting team because they have some really good wins. They beat Baylor earlier in the season. They just beat Kansas. Um, I think they have a couple other top 25 wins, but they also have a couple bad losses. But nevertheless, Iowa State has been a surprising team this year, and they've been a really good team, uh, a force in the Big 12. Uh, last one, St. Mary's, number 18, upset. Well, it was an upset. They beat Gonzaga 70-70 in overtime. Uh, they, they hit a shot to force overtime and then they won it. 
Um, a little surprising here, but St. Mary's, you know, they're always a solid team. They're always a team that you got to watch out for. And they did beat Gonzaga, you know, and I think um, there's going to be some people out there that, that have concern for Gonzaga. And I think, you know, I think it is understandable just because they aren't the same level of, they aren't playing at the same level they played in the past three or four years, you know? And, and it's it's kind of crazy, like, how high the standard is for Gonzaga basketball, where it's like they've been consistently like a top five team over the past four or five years. And now the fact that they're like, they're not top five, they're not top 10, maybe now they're like top 20, right? They're still in top, they're still like top 20, but the fact that they're not that level of elite, um, you know, people are obviously going to knock Gonzaga. So it's just interesting, obviously interesting there uh, for the WCC as a conference now that St. Mary's is kind of neck and neck a little bit. Uh, with Gonzaga in the conference. They beat him yesterday. So very interesting stuff there. I wanted to go a little bit more in depth with the Big Ten today. Um, In the past, we did the SEC and the Big 12. So the Big Ten, I think it's a really interesting conference. Um, You know, despite Purdue's loss yesterday, they still remain on top. It's really not that close. Uh, They're 22-2 overall, 11-2 in the Big Ten. And then you kind of have uh, a, a big jumbled mess uh, amongst the next, let's see, the, the second team, third, four, five. So the, the, the next five teams um, are all kind of very close. You have Rutgers, who's eight and four in the Big Ten. And then you have Iowa, Maryland, Indiana, and Illinois, all seven and five. Um, all very close. Even your Michigan Wolverines, Brandon, are at six and five, so a little bit behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's really close, you know, and I've been a big, uh, indie, I've been a big Illinois kind of, I've been on the Illinois bandwagon for a lot of the season. Obviously they had a rough go of it in late December. They're starting to try to turn it around, but they had another loss yesterday. So I, I still think Illinois, if we're saying like, who's the biggest challenger to Purdue, I still personally think it's Illinois just because I believe in the talent they have. Um, I think Brad Underwood is, is starting to kind of get, um, the players together. I think, I still think they have the most upside. So I think Illinois personally is the second best team, but you look at Indiana with the win they had yesterday. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that make a case for Indiana. I think even a team like Rutgers who got a big win over Michigan state yesterday, you could even make a case for Rutgers. They do have the best, the second best record in the big 10. So I, I think it's a really interesting race for, for second place because Purdue's going to be first. So I think it's all about who's going to be uh, second place. Uh, but Brandon, what, what do you think about that? What do you think about uh, kind of how the Big Ten is shaping up right now? Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those conferences where, like, you know, just crazy stuff can happen kind of at any point in time. Obviously, I hope the Michigan Wolverines pull it out um, and maybe make a little run in that in the conference tournament. Uh, that's not going to happen, though, I don't think. I, I, I feel like, you want to know what I do want to talk about, Trevor? We were so close to getting Rutgers. Rutgers is 8-4 and four in the conference. Mm-hmm. You know, they've kind of been balling a little bit. Um, I, I still think that uh, Purdue's going to take the conference. It'll be, you know, I don't think any team's that close to them um, in the Big Ten. Um, but a lot of other teams, like you said, uh, are quite close. I mean, from, from Michigan State upward is a two-game difference. Um, and, I mean, that's like second place versus, like, 10th or something or ninth place so a lot of teams that are good not great in the big 10 i'm interested to see how many of these teams can pull out and be you know tournament level teams like even wisconsin who's five and six at the conference they're 13 and eight they could end up winning you know 20 games or something um and you know we'll have to see kind of you know how that pans out for them 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the only the last thing I'll mention, and I forgot to mention this, uh, Duke and Carolina played yesterday. Neither neither team is ranked right now, but uh, it was a really good game. Kind of came down to the wire. Duke did win. It was in camera. They Cameron. They won sixty three fifty seven. So Ben, people are asking. You know, we thought last year after Carolina not only went into Cameron and beat the Duke in Coach Gay's last game in Cameron, but they also beat them in the Final Four. We thought, hey, the rivalry's over. Carolina won the rivalry. With Duke's win yesterday, is the rivalry back, Ben? Is, is it alive? Um, it, It'll always be alive. I just, It's just not going to be the same moving forward without Coach K and Roy Williams just because of, I mean, they, they had 20 years going against each other, whatever it was like. Um, it's still a rivalry. It'll always be a rivalry because the fans are always going to make it a rivalry. But in terms of the the lasting impact on the floor, unless these two coaches are going to both be there for the next twenty or thirty years, it's going to be hard to look at it the same way we've looked at it for you know the the last however many years with 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 the legendary coaches that were part of that rivalry. Um, but I I, hope, I I do think it'll always be a rivalry, Trevor, because again, like the 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 fans are kind of the ones that that truly make it a rivalry. If the fans are into it and the fans are backing their teams and doing everything they can to support their teams against against their their opponent, then the players feed off of that. So as long as the fans are into these games between Duke and UNC, and as long as the the hype around it that the fans create is still there, then players are going to absolutely feed into that. So I think it's still there. Um, it, it's it's still a rivalry. It's it's hard to get rid of fifty years of history between the two teams or wh- however long they've been playing each other. Um, but it's it's clearly not to the extent that it used to be, and it's not where we probably want it to be as as it is the marquee matchup in college basketball. Yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely a rivalry. I was if listeners didn't catch on, I was being sarcastic. Obviously, it's a, it's a great rivalry. Yes. Um, but I, I think another piece of this is like um, I think Duke in particular, they have a lot of one and done players. Like a lot of, I mean, we saw like Zion, Kyrie Irving, um, Jaleel Okafor last year, Paolo Bancaro, like the the all the I think all the one and done players that Duke has had in Carolina to an extent too. I think that um, I think for some fans, for Carolina fans, for other fans that that like to hate Duke, I think it's law. Lo- I think they've lost a little bit of that hate for Duke just because you don't have as many great four year players necessarily. So I think that's just one additional aspect of it. All right, Trevor. Well, let's head on over to the NBA here. Um, and of course, first up, a big big headline. Uh, the greatest player of all time is inching closer here. He's now 36 points away um, from chasing the scoring title. That is, of course, LeBron James. Um, and he's pretty, pretty close. Do you think that this is kind of like the crowning jewel uh, for LeBron in terms of his you know, achievements in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, a great achievement. I mean, to if we would have thought like 10 years ago, like looking at Kareem's record and how big of a difference there was between him and Karl Malone, who at the time was in second, I think a lot of people may have thought like, eh, no one's going to catch Kareem's record. No one's going to break that scoring right. record. But LeBron is now, he's going to do it. I mean, obviously he's 38. Um, he still has at least a few more years of his career. He's going to do it in the next two games. Um, he only needs 36 points left. So it's just yet another amazing achievement, another record that LeBron has. He already has uh, a bunch of other uh, records that you could point to. So this is going to be another one for LeBron. And, you know, you could tell that I think he's excited about it. Even if he, you know, might not want to always show it, I think he's very excited about it. I'm sure that he's going to be very happy uh, when it happens. And I think all of the, you know, the fans across the, the country are very excited for it as well. Obviously, they... 
they kind of flexed and put that Thunder game on Tuesday on TNT so that, you know, it has a national audience where he may potentially break the record if he doesn't do it there. On Thursday, that game against Milwaukee is also on TNT. It's, you know, for a national audience. So either way, um, a lot of people are going to get to see it. And Brandon, did you see like some of the ticket prices for that Thunder game? I mean, it's rumored that people are paying up to like $92,000 or I don't know what it is, but people are paying like insane prices for tickets to go to this game on Tuesday. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I mean, anytime you can witness some sort of historical event like this is this is absolutely insane. And this one's anticipated. You can actually anticipate when it was. You know, I, I've been lucky enough to to be a part of a couple, you know, like historical things. Like I last year, my you know dad and I, we saw Justin Tucker hit the uh, the field goal record, which was really awesome. But that's not anticipated. Like we didn't go to the game expecting that. People get to go to a game and know they're going to witness history, which is really well. I guess probably witness history because if it's not if it's not next game, it's definitely going to be the one after that. Um, so that's that's really really cool. So it's not surprising we got these high ticket prices. If I could go, I would be going. I want to see uh, uh, LeBron break that record. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, no, no, no surprise at all. Uh, 90k to watch LeBron play—that seems like a fair price on any given night. <laughs> but like, here's the thing, Brandon. What if what if you spend 90k on a game and then he doesn't even get it? Then you're just paying 90k to watch two below 500 teams. Like, what a waste. Yeah. Like, I'm not a yeah, betting man. See, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't take that risk. There's it's just no not price, worth it to me. Ben, there's no price on watching greatness. Um, so that's why I said 90k to watch LeBron play any day is more than reasonable. I get that, uh, yeah. but you could also watch it on TV and then just lie and say you were there when you tell your kids in 30 years. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, but you just watch it on TV the and then pictures. lie and say then, you were there. See, Ben, your kids. Yeah, but all but tickets are digital now. I just say that you accidentally deleted the. But the see, Ben, your kids get to be smarter phone. than you, so the kids get to be well, like, "Where's your picture? Like, where? Where's the picture?" And you're gonna be like, oh, I, "I don't say, have it," because you're lying. I'll just say I, I was stupid. And your kids gonna know you was a liar. Is that what you want, Ben? I mean, that's that's fine. It, it, it's. I'd rather have that than spend 90k on a game to watch the Thunder and Lakers play a garbage basketball game. That might be true. Where, Le, where LeBron scores like 32 points, then I'd just be super pissed. That 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 might be true. But nevertheless, let's hope LeBron gets it uh, this coming game. That'd be really cool. Um, but let's move on a little bit here, Trevor. We got the All Star reserves announced. You know, I didn't see nearly as much. Like I, I'm sure there were upset people, but I didn't see nearly as much animosity towards this announcement versus the all-star starters um do you who do you think they got you know wrong in the reserves uh who do you think should have made it what are, what, are, what are your thoughts on the reserves Trevor yeah so it's interesting because as we know the coaches basically decide the reserves um and you know I saw people out there saying that you know coaches they don't necessarily take a ton of time doing this necessarily they don't maybe take it as seriously as we do as fans um but I thought it was interesting. I mean, you definitely have a lot of players who are no-brainers. Like, if I just go down and look in the East, we'll, we'll start with the Eastern Conference, right? So, Joel Embiid. Do you think Joel Embiid, do you think Joel Embiid deserved to be on, on the All-Star team? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he. so Joel Embiid, he's one of the no-brainers. And we could go and we could point out, like, Jalen Brown, I think he's a no-brainer. So that's at least two guys that are pretty solid. They're definitely going to be in there. I think Bam Adebayo what he has done this year, um, considering he's a forward and I think the guard position has a little bit more depth. Uh, I think Bam's pretty much a no-brainer. And then you can go, so they have DeRozan, they have Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle. For me personally, I, I think you can argue that, you know, personally Darius Garland didn't get in and I would have liked to have seen him get in over Drew Holiday. Um, but I think overall in the East, 
I don't have a ton of uh I don't have a ton of things that I'm like, oh, this was this guy was definitely snubbed. This is a ridiculous selection here. Like, I don't know. If you want to argue that Pascal Siakam deserves it over DeMar DeRozan, maybe, but like, I don't know. I think it's pretty close, to be honest. So I don't have too many um things that I'm upset about. I if I was doing the selections, I believe that I probably would have put in Darius Garland over Drew Holiday, but again, not a big difference there. And the West, I think there's a little bit more that's that's a little bit, uh, you know, I don't really understand uh, a couple of these. So, you know, you can look at the the ones that are guarantees. John Morant, obviously, he's going to be an all-star. Duh. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the season he's had, averaging 31 points a game. Duh. Of course, he's an all-star. Damian Lillard, 31-7-4, of course. Um, I think Sabonis is pretty much a guarantee as well. He's a forward. Um, plays for the Sacramento Kings. You know, they're the third seed in the West. I think it's pretty safe. The other guys we have here are Paul George, Jaron Jackson, Laurie Markkinen. Um, I personally think that a lot of people are saying that De'Aaron Fox should have been an all-star. A lot of people making a case for Anthony Edwards. I think both of those guys had a better case than Paul George, to be honest. I You could put either one of them over Paul George. I It would make sense to me. Personally, I would have put Anthony Edwards in over Paul George, which unfortunately would have left De'Aaron Fox off, but... That's just how good the guards are, you know. The, the guards are so good that it's hard to make a case for, for everyone. But that's what I would have done. I would have put in Anthony Edwards over Paul George. The other one that people were saying, people, some people were saying that Jaron Jackson does not deserve a spot. I think this one's a little bit tough. Um, he does have such a huge impact defensively. But a lot of people were making case, well, Anthony Davis, look at their numbers, you know. Uh, their minutes are, are pretty much very similar. But... You could go in and you can look at their impacts uh, when they're on the court versus off. And Jaron Jackson, I think, is like a, I think it's like a plus eleven point three net rating or something when he's on the court. Um, whereas Anthony Davis, I think it's only like plus three. Um, now, obviously, Jaron Jackson has better teammates. He's on a better team in Memphis. Anthony Davis, he has LeBron and then a bunch of uh, role players, basically. Um, so you can argue that, but I think that one's close enough to me to where I'm not outraged that. Anthony Davis didn't make the team. I mean, Anthony Davis has missed a ton of games this season. So, uh, really, my main only my only big thing that I'm upset about is that Anthony Edwards did not make it over Paul George. I would say. Interesting. So you you really weren't that upset. There wasn't too many misses. It, it, that seemed like the general consensus too. I was like pretty surprised that like. Uh, you know, it's, there were a couple people that were like, I mean, especially like Cash it's like, oh, Garland should have made it, which seems reasonable uh, to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but overall, I, I thought there wasn't a lot of animosity towards it. Ben, any any thoughts quickly on the uh, the reserves uh, before we move on here? Yeah, here, here's why I don't make a huge deal about this. You could put us three on the, on one of these rosters. Let's say on the Western Conference, you had Brandon Siegel, Ben O'Brien, and Trevor Reddick on there. Right. It would still make more sense to have us on those rosters than pretty much the entire rosters for the NFL Pro Bowl. <laughs> so that's why I don't think it's a huge deal because the I mean the NBA NBA All-Star game, those rosters make way more sense even with some some people getting snubbed than half the people that made the Pro Bowl for the NFL. So I don't think it's a huge deal. I don't. Yeah, it's it's tough. We got to the Pro Bowl is a whole whole another story. We might have to get rid of it entirely. Um or at least the game. Um but let's let's move on here. Uh we're reaching the trade deadline. Uh, yesterday or two days ago, we got some pretty big news about Kyrie Irving that he asked for a trade. Trevor, I've been racking my little brain about this for the two days that he's off or been requested this trade. 
I cannot conceivably understand why he would want to trade. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this coming season. Um, and on top of that, it seems like he's doing this in spite of the Nets. I, I You know, he's, he's upset with the Nets. By getting traded, he's helping the Nets because they're going to get assets back for him. I just cannot conceivably understand why he doesn't just play 30 more games and then just go where he wants to go and sign whatever deal he wants to sign. I just, I'm, I don't get it. Uh, so maybe you can help me understand what Kyrie Irving is thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't, I don't really have a good answer for you on what he's thinking. I don't think many people know what Kyrie Irving's thinking. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense because the Nets have been really good, pretty, I mean, for the majority of the year. I think right now they are, I believe, third in the East, third or fourth. Um, so they're they're playing well. Um, Kyrie Irving has been playing well. He's averaging almost, I think it's like 27, 28 points per game. Um, he's been playing very well, you know, with Kevin Durant been, been out. And, you know, when Kevin Durant comes back, this team is, I think, a contender. I think they're one of the best teams, certainly in the East. And I think they do have a chance to win the title. So I don't really understand it from Kyrie. Um, but in my opinion, I've talked about this in the past. It just seems like kind of no matter what, it doesn't seem like Kyrie Irving's ever really happy. I mean, he had a great situation in Cleveland and he decided to leave that for reasons that I don't fully understand. I guess he wanted to be the best player. So he goes to Boston. He, he gets that. He gets to be the best player on the team that has a chance, you know, has a chance to win the title. They have young talent, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, obviously that we have seen a couple years later, uh, their growth. And, and now he's with Brooklyn and gets to play with Kevin Durant, who we believe are close friends. So I don't know why he wants to be traded. I think this is a really good situation for him that he's currently in. But it also seems clear that he really wants a long-term deal. He wants a four-year deal um, that's, that's a maximum extension that will be available to him, uh, I believe, on June 30th. But I don't know if any team's going to be willing to give him that long-term deal. I think for Kyrie Irving, the way I look at it as... Um, I, I think I'd be willing, depending on my team situation to give him a one year deal. That's maybe like a, a 40, $45 million deal, given his, you know, level of play, given how good of a player he is for one year, maybe even two years, but I wouldn't be willing to go beyond that. So you look at some of these teams that are talked about as they might trade for Kyrie, like the Lakers, the Mavericks, maybe the Suns, the Clippers. I think those are four of the big ones. Um, I think all of these teams I think you can make a case for them going out and getting Kyrie because I think all of their teams could potentially improve. In fact, I think they all will improve this season if they get Kyrie. All four of them, I think, would. But beyond that, it's like you're taking a risk. What if he, you know, kind of wants to leave? Um, you know, he wants this long extension and you don't want to give it to him. There's a bunch of factors that make this very risky. Um, but ultimately, I do think that it is worth it for a team like the Lakers, for example, given that. They're already in this very desperate situation. They want to win now. LeBron is 38 years old. Um, you know, they have injury concerns with, with Anthony Davis. LeBron hasn't always been uh, completely healthy at times. So I think for a team like the Lakers, the desperate situation they're in, I think it would be worth it if they did, say, give up a Russell Westbrook, a couple picks, you know, whatever you need else to match the money there to get Kyrie Irving over to the Lakers. Now, would, would the Brooklyn Nets be willing to make that trade? I don't know. I, I'm not really sure they would. But I think for the Lakers, that's a trade that I would be willing to do if I'm Rob Palinka because that makes our team better and that gives us a chance in the West, which is a pretty pretty wide open conference, I would say, 
to get to the finals. And then if you're in the finals, you have a chance. So I think the Lakers have a really good case for the Mavericks. It's interesting. I don't know how would the Luka Kyrie fit be. Uh, the Clippers, you know, you already have Kawhi and Paul George who have some injury history. Uh, that mm-hmm. experiment hasn't really gone that well. Is adding Kyrie the best thing to do? It's it's debatable. And then the Suns, uh, I'm not really sure if that's the best move necessarily, but you know, you could make an argument that uh, I, I think at, at the very least this year, Kyrie would make the Suns better. So for me, I, I think the Lakers are the team that should be getting him. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens. I mean, the trade deadline ends uh, later this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can move him. It seems like they're not going to play him until he's moved. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. Ben, any final thoughts on, on Kyrie and his trade request? Yeah, Brandon, I mean, you're trying to wrap your head around how this makes sense, why he'd want to do this, but you got to remember that nothing he does ever makes that sense. That is true. Um, so it's one of those things that's like, well, he, he he's made a lot lot of poor decisions uh, in his in his NBA career and in his life in general. Uh, th- this is another one that's probably not a great decision, but it's like it's just what he does. So it's kind of one of those things you just kind of got to accept the fact that he doesn't always uh, think correctly. So it is what it is. Is what I kind of hope is. he goes to the Lakers, honestly. I, I hope he goes to the Lakers because it's like, like Trevor said, I mean, they have nothing to lose, so... If it crashes and burns, oh well, you weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, probably. And it, I mean, and there is a potential that it could go really well. So um, I think it would give a lot more intrigue to a team in the Lakers that, other than LeBron, have absolutely nothing going for them yeah, at the moment. Right, right, right. All righty, let's move on over to the NFL. We had a couple major storylines um, that happened this week. A couple head coaches, uh, you know, went to different teams. The biggest one, of course, is Sean Payton getting traded to the Denver Broncos. They gave up like a first and a second round pick or something um, uh, to to the Saints for Sean Payton. They got their coach, and now the Broncos have Sean Payton. Um, this was uh, this was quite something, to say the least. Uh, I, I was a little bit confused by this. It appears they sent a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick, and they got back Sean Payton and a 24 third round pick. So, big... You know, you can see how important coaching is in the NFL based on how much they they paid for Sean Payne, which is pretty crazy. Um, Ben, I'm going to start with you. When you heard this, what were your thoughts? Did you think this was good uh, for for the Broncos? Did you think it was bad? What were your thoughts? I mean, obviously, he's a great coach, and I get that, but you're giving up a lot of future assets. And I I know, Brandon, I know you. You value first-round draft picks a lot because they are. They're very valuable. You're giving up a first and second round draft pick for a dude that can't play the game. I mean, he's not on the field and I, I get it. I get it. He's a great coach. Offensively, he's a fantastic mind and maybe he is the, the person that is right for the job to fix Russell Wilson. But is Sean Payton, excuse me, is Sean Payton that great of a coach? Like, is he really like, I get it. He gets a lot of hype and he's a good coach, but he's been to one Super Bowl. Um, and yes, he probably should have been to two. They got screwed out of 2019 against the Rams, but, um, it, like, is he really worth that? I, I, I have a hard time finding more than a few head coaches in the NFL that I think are worth that price. Um, but on the other end of that, I don't really know how else you move forward with, with Russell Wilson and, and, and after the season that they had. So maybe that is the right answer. Again, it's not my decision to make. It's just off. Like when I first saw that, my, my first reaction is that's a lot of re- future resources for a dude that is on the sideline. He's not actually on the field. Um, and he really hasn't done a whole lot in his career in terms of winning championships, which is ultimately what the Denver Broncos are trying to do with him. So 
I don't know. I, I don't love it. It's one of those things like I feel like I've never seen like a trade like this for a head coach. Um, it's, it's it's kind of a unique situation, um, but it's interesting. And and again, maybe maybe he is the perfect thing that Russell Wilson needs um, because clearly he is broken and clearly there's a lot to fix. And Sean Payton is a, is a great offensive mind, but I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing this through. And I, unless they're going to win a Super Bowl, I, I really don't think this is going to be a huge success for them. Yeah, I I wouldn't do this ever. I would never give up this type of picks. I mean, put me at coach. Keep your first and second rounder. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see it uh, working the way that they want. I, I like Sean Payton. I really do think he's a great coach. But to give up this amount of assets um, is pretty crazy to me. Um, I'm very, very surprised by this. Trevor, uh, final thoughts on Sean Payton before we get to uh, to, to big man Tom. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I I mean, I can't say I love it because, like you said, it is a lot of assets. Obviously, the tracker that Sean Payton has is a really good one. But what I go back to, I mean, as soon as I heard this news, like I just started thinking about, well, uh, but but they have Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson didn't play very well this year. So is this going to, are we going to chuck this up to, oh, it was just a bad year for Russell Wilson, and he's going to, you know, come back stronger next year, and he's going to get back to playing at the uh, the level that he played at previously I don't know I I don't feel super optimistic about that so obviously as important as the quarterback position is um, and that partnership with him and Sean Payton is going to be very important I I don't feel super great about Denver's chances in the AFC when you have the Chiefs the Bengals the Bills etc so I I don't love it yeah I don't know it's kind of weird uh weird stuff for me but again let's let's move on here um Tom Brady did retire again uh, first time was his diva run, and and now it seems like it's the real deal. He retired by posting a video on the beach saying he's done. Uh, we talked about this, Trevor, uh, and we, you know, you said you were like this is probably the preferred route. Like obviously you'd like to see him play more, but you know, it's it, sometimes it's 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 you no know, the the end is the end, um, and it seemed like almost he got to to that area. Um, so you you know when this happened, what what went through your head? Obviously, as uh, our one of our two resident Tom Brady fans. Yeah, I mean, I again, it was my preferred. It was what I wanted to happen, so I, I'm I'm glad it happened. Um, Tom Brady's done everything he can possibly do in his career. Obviously, I, I don't have to go down the list and list all the accolades and accomplishments he's done. Stuff that I don't know if anyone will ever touch. It's it's pretty wild. He's lapped the entire field in terms of playoff wins and Super Bowls and etc. Um, but yeah, I think part of this is that I don't know if he really had an option that he loved. Like, I I don't know exactly what he was thinking, um, in terms of where he would have wanted to go. Did he want to go to Miami? That was an option that pretty much was shut down. They were sticking with Tua. Did he want to go to San Fran? Was that an option? I mean, we we don't know the conversations with his agent, Don Yee and San Fran or, or the Raiders or Miami. We don't really know how those conversations went, but my guess would be part of it is that those options weren't really available, the ones he wanted. And even if other teams would have been willing to, like, uh, have him, uh, you know, a, a team like, I don't know, the the Saints, the Carolina Panthers, the, the Jets, whoever, those might not have been teams he wanted to go to. So maybe he had, like, two or three different options. Let's just say, for instance, it was San Fran, it was Miami, and it was Las Vegas, because those were, like, the top three that I was thinking about when he, you know, after Tampa lost in the playoffs. Maybe none of those three were open, and he was like, "Well, you know what? Uh, you know, this year wasn't the best year. 
I've accomplished so much. I'm 45. I did reach my goal of playing till 45. Maybe it is time to, to, to call it a career, you know? And I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think it was a little bit of the no option is available. And also like thinking about, and you know, this wasn't the best year. Uh, maybe last year I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have came back. And, you know, family time is important. So I think it was kind of all of the above that ultimately led to this decision. Yeah, I, I agree. Ben, I'm going to toss this over to you as our second, for whatever reason, we have two resident Tom Brady fans. Uh, your opinions on the video, the announcement, what went through your head? Yeah, again, it's, it's like we did this last year. Like, again, it's sad. Um, I'm not super surprised. It is one of those things, like, I, I do think, like Trevor said, he he could keep playing, but I understand why now is the time to do it. Um, there's a lot of things off the field that, that I understand why you make that the uh, ultimate decision that he made. Um, Tre- Trevor, uh, don't worry. I'm working. I'm trying to save up. I will buy you that ten thousand dollar jar of sand that he. That he it's at ninety nine k now. Ridiculous. So would you rather go see okay, LeBron so, play? So, so, so I'm I'm gonna need Brandon shipping as well. But Tre- Trevor, don't you worry. I will get uh, you that for your birthday this so spring. So you'd rather I, that is a guarantee. Ninety k. Would you rather go see LeBron break a record or get a bottle of sand from a public beach that Tom Brady sat on? <laughs> Bottle of sand, absolutely. Uh, Tom Brady over LeBron James any day of the week. Hey, at least you have proof of that for your kids instead of lying to them about. Uh, <laughs> Again, that's one of those things you could just get, you could just for free go go get a mason jar somewhere, scoop up some sand, and just say, yeah, right, I, that, this is right. this is where he made the decision. I will say I was doing, uh, but research Trevor, don't you worry, it. I will get you that jar. I was doing research into it. Jar. There's a lot of fake ones on there. The person who originally put it up, it is up to like a hundred grand. But I highly doubt someone's actually going to buy that. We'll see, though. I was going to say, are, are people actually bidding on that? Or is that just actually the bidding price on it. There was 130 saying. bids last I looked. Um, but the thing is, is you can bid on it, and, like, when you win, you don't have to pay it. Like, you, you don't get the okay. product, but, like, you could just yeah. not pay. So, I don't know. Yeah. It, that's insane to me. It, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. It's pretty insane. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the theme here is that people just spend money on just wild stuff, and I don't understand it. Like, save your money, people. Like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Save your money. That's that's a, that's a uh, Trevor Trevor Reddick advice for today. Save your money, people. All right. That's a that's, that's good advice. Let's uh let's move on to uh to football that's actually happening. Um, well, I guess did happen, and football that will happen. Um, but, uh, quick, I mean, we're a week out here. Mostly I want to hear Ben, your opinions. I haven't gotten like a full Ben opinion on the Bengals Chiefs game uh, that we saw this past weekend. Um, obviously a frustrating game, I'm sure. Um, what were like your, your thoughts on the game? I've seen some, some interesting stuff on Twitter from other people, but I haven't heard your thoughts. So Bengals Chiefs, Ben, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's been seven days and my heart just dropped when you had to bring up this game because it still hurts. Um, it's tough. Like, and the Chiefs are a good team.
don't get it done than when they do get it done. And what I mean, what I mean by that is Joe Burrow got the ball at two and a half minutes left. I fully expected him to go down and win that game. Like I was actually surprised that he didn't. And I think a lot of people are that way. Um, so it, it, it's hard for me to be too upset because Joe Burrow is, is a franchise quarterback and he's one of those guys like you expect him to, to get the job done when he has to. And he didn't do it this time. And I've already seen people on Twitter, which is not an assumption that that's this is how everyone thinks because it's Twitter and people are stupid. But there's already people saying that Joe Burrow can't win the big game and all that stuff, which would have been the same thing for Patrick Mahomes if he lost that game. Um, but it's just one of those things. I mean, it was a good game and that's all I was really hoping for. It, you, you can't it's making a Super Bowl is so hard. And it doesn't always mean just because you're a good team, you're going to make the Super Bowl. And I think a lot of people just kind of assume that the Bengals would make the Super Bowl this year because they're better than last year. But that that's not the case because there are other teams that are really good too. So it, it, it hurts. And it was a heartbreaking way to lose the game with with the, the penalty at the end that was just a stupid play that a 20-whatever three-year-old kid made. Um, but it, it, it's it's tough. And it, it, it it'll, it'll hurt me for a long time. I don't want to say that it's more heartbreaking than losing the Super Bowl last year because it's not. Um, but it, it's definitely a more frustrating situation after that. Um, and if you, you've noticed, Brandon, I've, I've gone, what, like two minutes now, and I haven't said a single thing about the officiating in that game, which was terrible. And I'm not saying that it's rigged. I don't want Brandon to think that, that bang, all Bengals fans assume that the game was rigged because it wasn't. But I think it was very clear that the officiating was one-sided. And that's just more, I wouldn't even say that's rigged. I just think that's an unlucky situation that the Bengals were in. That There were a lot of 50-50 calls and a lot of things that happened that, that hurt the Bengals more than the other team. So. Um, a frustrating game and a disappointing game, but at the end of the day, Joe Burrow is going to make a lot of money this offseason, and as long as he's on the team, I, I think there's always reasons to be optimistic about the Bengals moving forward. I, I think you said a lot of stuff you said makes a lot of sense, and here's the thing. like One thing I think people really don't just don't see is there's only one winner of a football game. Yeah. That doesn't take away the fact that Joe Burrow's an amazing, amazing quarterback. Same with them being Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's great. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how we're going to do uh, quarterback rankings eventually here. I personally, out of those three guys, those are the three top quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't even think there's anyone else that's that close. Mahomes, I have number one. I have Allen, two, and Burrow, three. And I told you guys before the Bills uh, Bengals game, I was like, it's not going to change my opinion regardless of who wins this game. And I think it's the same thing with like people like Joe Burrow. I've seen a ton of takes where it's like Joe Burrow can't win the big game. He made it. Josh Allen hasn't made it. I think Josh Allen's better, but just because he hasn't made it doesn't mean that I don't think he's better. I think it's the same thing with Bro. Just because he hasn't won a Super Bowl doesn't mean that he's not amazing. I think that takes is a bad take. Now, let's let's talk about the officiating for a second. Because if we're going to be honest here, the officiating was not great at all. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put it on the calls that were made in the game. I think it's more so on just like how the officials handled the game. We saw that thing where like they called off the play. That's just yeah. weird. But a lot of the times that there were bad calls or at least perceived bad calls to the Bengals or Chiefs. It doesn't matter who. And I know Bengals fans are like, there were so many bad calls against them. Normally, the result ended good for the Bengals in that sense. So, like, for example, that drive where that play got called off, they they punted. They didn't score off that drive. It, uh, nothing happened. There was a drive that the Bengals, uh, the Bengals' last drive where they had a penalty, a holding penalty at the end that was like, or whatever the penalty was. I don't remember exactly the exact penalty on their final drive, but they ended up getting the first down. It didn't really affect their play, and they lost almost no time on the clock. So a lot of the calls that like were perceived as like horrendous, um, and some of them weren't great for sure, but officiating is part of the game as we always talk about. Ultimately, the Bengals didn't play a great game. I, I think that's 
ultimately what happens. They were not able to be Patrick Mahomes on, on a bum ankle. And I really thought they were going to win. I, I, I said it on the podcast. I said in our article. I was like, even if Mahomes was healthy, I'd still take the Bengals. Ultimately, Joe Burrow didn't have the world's greatest game. They didn't run the ball well. Um, and uh, the, the, the Chiefs came out on top. I think overall, though, Ben, like, I think all of that, like, you knew. Like, I'm not telling you new information. I think overall, like, you would agree with most of what I said, if not all of it. And I think that's just kind of is what it is. I don't think, like, we really need to talk about the Eagles game too much. Trevor, is there anything you want to talk about Chiefs, Bengals, or Eagles, Niners before we get to our, our Super Bowl segment? Yeah, I mean, with, with the Bengals-Chiefs game, um, you know, I agree. The officiating was, you know, it was tilted in the Chiefs' favor. There were certain calls. There was the the holding one. I think it's the same one you're referencing, Brandon. The receiver clearly got held. It should have been an automatic first down. They didn't call that. Um, there was the one where Burrow got hit late. I think uh, when the Bengals were in their own territory, they didn't they didn't yeah. call that. Whereas I think uh, the Chiefs, I think Mahomes got hit on a play where they did call it. So it was like, eh, it's a little... Like, it's kind of the same type of thing, but they call one for the Chiefs. They don't call the one for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So there was some stuff like that. But ultimately, I, th- I, you know, unfortunately, I think the, the reason the Bengals lost goes back to the problem that they've been dealing with for two years. I think it's their offensive line. I think that's the reason they lost. I mean, I, I think Burrow, given the circumstances, played actually, like, the stats might not say it. I think he played, like, decently well. I know he had two interceptions. Um, I, I get like the stats don't look that great. I think he played pretty darn well given the circumstances where he didn't really have a lot of time to throw. The offensive line couldn't hold their bl- blocks. Chris Jones kind of feet he just had an awesome day. Kind of feasted. Um, pretty much anyone who was blocking him one on one, he would get around and he would get to burrow either on a, on a pressure or he'd get an outright sack. So. Ultimately, that's the biggest reason why the Bengals lost. They still had their chances. They still could have won. And I thought the Bengals were going to win. You know, I, I don't think there was really a point where I wavered too much. I think the, the one Burrow interception in the first half, I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't don't love that. But then the way they ended the first half, uh, you know, got the field goal. I was like, I, I like, I, I think the Bengals are in a decent spot here. They're down seven at half. Uh, they A little bit of momentum, you know. The Chiefs had the advantage of having home field, which kind of, um, in my opinion, like the Chiefs' home field kind of spotted them a field goal in the first quarter um, because of how loud that crowd was. And then the Bengals had to try to recover from that. And they, they almost did, but then the day, um, you know, the, the Chiefs got the win. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what I think. I think these two teams were very evenly matched. I think it was basically a 50-50 game. And in this particular game, the Chiefs came out on top. But if you play this game 10 times, I think it's 50-50. I think it's, you know, Bengals win five, Chiefs win five. Yeah, it's it definitely is a close game. And I, I think, Ben, the thing you said about the Bengals being back next year, the Bengals are in a very similar situation that they were last season. Last season, they had the ability to bring almost everyone back, and they pretty much did. Um, and had cap room. The Bengals have a good amount of cap room. Now, this year, they do have a couple big guys to sign, as I'm sure you do know, but they essentially can run it back, and if I were them, I would. If they don't get those big O-line injuries, I mean, Ben, I think we would both agree that they, they would be in a, they would they might be playing next weekend. I mean, don't you think? I think they would be playing yeah. next week. So, I, if I were them, I'd re-sign pretty much everyone, um, you know, hope that the, the young talent just continues to develop, which I think is a reasonable thing to hope for. Um, and, and run it back. The Bengals definitely will be back next year. Um, and I think even the following year will be another good year. Um, they, they have done a really good job. Uh, I don't know their GM. Whoever their GM has done a phenomenal job drafting and with the cap. 
uh, situation that they have. Really, really good situation um, that they're in. So the Bengals will 100% be back. We inevitably do our rankings for next season. The Bengals will 100% be in my top three probably. Um, and they, they will for sure be back. So a lot of hope for you over there, Ben. Hopefully the Bengals fans in general, not you, but other Bengals fans can tone it down a little bit. Stop being so annoying. Um, but overall, they're definitely going to be back, 100%. Um, let's get, though, to Super Bowl weekend. So, Trevor, you had an interesting little segment idea. Why don't you explain to the people what we're about to do? Yeah, so this is going to be, and Ben can pretty much decide, um, but I think what we're going to do is Brandon and I are going to kind of make the case for, for one of the teams. One of us will make a case for the Eagles, and one of us will make a case for the Chiefs, and Ben can kind of give his thoughts near the end, and, and also, you know, any any insights he want to offer, he wants to offer on the matchups as well, I think. But I, I don't know. I just thought it was a different idea. Obviously, this week, we, we should be coming out with an article, so that is where we will release our official predictions. But I thought this was yep. an interesting idea. So yeah, basically Ben, you're going to you're going to pick, you know, who's going to talk about which team and then you're going to decide who had the better argument. We're we're only going to this isn't going to be too long. There's a couple minutes of explanation from both of us. Um but but uh Ben, you'll decide the the winner at the end. Um so you get to pick. And the thing is is like I honestly, I think Trevor you feel the same way. I don't care who you give me. I don't have a preference. Um there's definitely one team I think will win. But I think both teams have a pretty good argument on why they can win. So Ben, you choose who is going to get what team to discuss this is hard i don't i don't think it really matters a whole yeah, lot yeah no i agree um i'll uh i'll give brandon you can have the chiefs i'll give trevor the eagles and the only reason i picked that is because trevor likes the bucks from the nfc and brandon likes the ravens from the afc so okay. i'm just gonna do it that way Fair enough. That's the only I'm a way Patriots I can, fan, I can justify. I'm a Patriots fan, but all right. I'm aware, but you're also, but you're also a Bucks fan. Yeah, no, not, fan, not so really. That's not the really, only, not really, that's not the only really, thing yeah, I had to do. Not really a Bucks fan. Definitely. Well, yeah, actually, Trevor, it's funny. Like as of like a week ago, yeah, you're no longer a Bucks it's, fan. It's, it's so crazy wild. how Tom Brady retired yeah. too. What a what a coincidence. Yeah, what a, and Trevor, I make fun of you, but I did the same exact thing with LeBron, so I, I understand the situation. <laughs> the Bucks are dead to you now. I totally get it. All right, Trevor, go ahead. You can go first. Eagles. All right, absolutely. So I, I think the Eagles. Um, I think the Eagles are just a more well-rounded team than the Chiefs. You know, they don't really have many holes, if at all. You look at their defense. It's I think ranked the number one defense in the NFL. Their defensive line has over and over again gotten pressure on the quarterback. I mean, what they did last week, uh, you know, to the 49ers offense that's been so good, so creative, holding them to seven points was just very impressive to me. And both of their playoff games have been blowouts. They destroyed the Giants, 38-7. And now they hold the Niners to seven points as well, 31-7. So their defense is obviously, I think, going to give the, the Chiefs a lot of problems. You know, you know, there's two weeks for the Chiefs to kind of get ready. Obviously, Mahomes, to get as healthy as he can, obviously. Will he be able to have the mobility in two weeks? Will it change from the Bengals game to the Eagles game? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to... A change a whole lot and I think that the Eagles with their defensive line I think are going to really wreak havoc on this Chiefs offensive line and give Mahomes a lot of trouble now Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL I think we all agree on that he's going to be able to you know still play somewhat well I think he'll be able to um, still make plays in the pocket he's gotten a lot better as a pocket quarterback I think his pocket presence has been really good especially this year um, in particular, but I think with that Eagles defensive line, it'll be the biggest challenge the Chiefs have really all season, and I think it will give them a lot of trouble. Um, so I think that's 
a thing that the Eagles have going for them. Their secondary has also been really good. I mean, you can go down the line and look at their secondary. You look at the matchups, the one-on-one matchups that you have. The only big threat here is Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs because you can look at, well, Valdez Scantling, he had a really good you know, game last week against Eli Apple. Well, I don't think there's really a weak corner for the Eagles like Eli Apple, in my opinion, was for the Bengals. I think that whatever corner you have for Marquez, Valdez Scantling, and those other receivers, I think it'll be really, you know, favorable matchups for the Eagles. So I think it's going to make it really difficult on Patrick Mahomes, and he's also going to have to get the ball out quick. So I think it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to score. And on offense, I think that the Eagles running game has been so consistent all season. It's been really solid. And, you know, Jalen Hurts has just been a really good decision maker. What he proved to me, you know, earlier in the season, and then obviously again in the playoffs, has been that he's a really good decision maker. He's not going to turn the ball over a whole lot, whether it's a run, you know, a quarterback option, or he's going to get the ball out quick, throw it over the middle or outside the numbers to a Devontae Smith or an A.J. Brown. I think he's going to make the right decision. So for all those reasons, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. And I just think it's going to be a tough day for that Chiefs offense. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like the Bucs game. You know, it's not going to be that bad for the Chiefs offense, the Super Bowl two years ago. But I think it will be very tough for that Chiefs offense. All right. So to the Chiefs, my, my point over here, I got a couple points to make. Number one, um, without a doubt, the Eagles are the more talented team uh, between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, but uh, there's a couple things the Chiefs have that I think the Eagles don't. The first thing the Chiefs have, um, especially more recently, um, you've seen where the Eagles this year have done a really good job getting turnovers. They're one of the, the highest turnover teams in the NFL. Um, their past six or maybe seven games, um, they have not been able to generate multiple turnovers. Um, and, you know, kind of one major point, the Eagles have not played you know, a top 5-10 quarterback this year. Really the best quarterback they played is Dak Prescott, who beat them 40-34, to um, where Philly did lose that game. Uh, and this was later in the season, too. This was not that long ago. So I think the fact that the Eagles do not have this history this season of playing this top-flight quarterback are going to be hit in the mouth a little bit by Mahomes. Um, this is a completely different animal, as, as, as you've seen, Ben, firsthand uh, with your Bengals. Um, that is going to make it quite tough. The second thing is the ability for the Chiefs to get sacks. While the Eagles are also great at getting sacks, they lead the league. The Chiefs are number two in getting sacks, and in the playoffs, they're number one. Chris Jones has been an absolute menace, um, and I, I think the game plan of keeping Hurts in the pocket, having to beat him, beat them with his arm, um, is going to prove pivotal uh, for the Chiefs uh, in, in this game. Uh, the third thing is that they, they got Patrick Mahomes. They have the best player on the field. Um, and that should not uh, be looked over in the slightest bit. Um, and, you know, we're going to get a very close to healthy Mahomes at this time. He's going to have two weeks to completely rest his ankle. We saw what he could do on one week of rest. <laughs> What's he going to do on two weeks of rest um, where they're almost at 100%? Now, depending on how many Chiefs receivers actually play between Tony and Michael Hardman, um, that's going to be a, a very, very big deal. Um the other thing we've seen with the Chiefs this year is they've been one of the worst red zone defenses in the league. But in the playoffs, it's been quite different. Uh, against the Bengals, they only had one uh, of three red zone attempts were successful for the Bengals. Um, and the Eagles are going to need to do a good job in the red zone in order to win this game. Um, and I think that because of their recent success, that has propelled the Chiefs to be uh, 
you know, much better in the red zone, mainly because of Chris Jones. But, um, you know, you that's one thing I think that really won in the Bengals game is their ability to get Joe Burrow off the field. Um, and I, I think that they can run into similar issues with the Eagles. My last point here, last point, is between these two teams, one has a lot more experience in big games. Yep. Is the moment going to become too big for Hurts and the Eagles that are a very, very young and new team? There's a lot of young and new players on this team that have not been in a big game like this at all. If you look at the Chiefs' big core players, Chris Jones, Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Orlando Brown, they have been in big games. Um, they, they have the ability to, to make a huge impact in these big games, and they've been there. Um, so will the moment become too big uh, for the Eagles, who have not been challenged like the Chiefs have in the slightest bit during this season? Um, and uh, potentially might not have the ability to rise to the occasion. So there is my my argument for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Ben, you get to crown the winner today. This is purely based on our argument, not who you think is going to win. Who do you think had the better argument? Because it is close. These two teams are, are both, you know, 50-50 here. Um, Trevor won. I'm Team Trevor. I will never say Trevor lost. I thought that that was going to be the case no matter what. Um, so I appreciate the bias. At least you said it was, and see, your his reasoning wasn't that you had the better debate, Trevor. It was because he was Team Trevor. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's a win in itself. Um, but regardless, it's going to be a good Super Bowl, Trevor. You made a great debate. Um, anything else you guys like to add before we kind of wrap up the pod here for today? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the dub. But Ben, do you, do you have any additional thoughts? Like, like when you see this matchup, what are you kind of most in, interested about in this matchup? Yeah, I think that last point that Brandon made, like you got you got experience in the Chiefs, and then you have an Eagles team with no experience in terms of this type of game. Not to mention that, like two years ago, the Eagles were one of the worst teams in the NFL, which isn't a huge deal because the Bengals, the Bengals last year in the Super Bowl. But um, I do think Andy Reid is going to be a huge advantage for the Chiefs compared to Nick Sirianni for the for the Eagles, just just in terms of coaching experience um, and knowledge of the game. It should be a good game. I hate the game. I, I don't like either team at all. I actually really hope neither team wins somehow. Um, but it, it should be a good matchup. Um, I, I, I think ultimately if it comes down to it, I mean, the Eagles should have the advantage on the offensive and defensive lines in this game, but the Chiefs have a better quarterback. Um, they have a better tight end, and, and ultimately they probably have an overall better offense. So I, I think what this game is going to come down to is how well Jalen Hurts is going to play and if he can pick apart that Chiefs secondary that really hasn't been fantastic this year. Um, if, if Jalen Hurts can play to the level that he's capable of playing, if his shoulder's not an issue, which it doesn't seem like it's been a huge issue in these playoffs anyway, um, I, I, I do think that that is the recipe for success for, for the Eagles because I think their their defense will do enough to slow down Patrick Mahomes um, with, with, that, with that defensive line and their ability to stop the run. Um, it, it, it's just going to come down to really a, a Jalen Hurts and his ability to, to, to make a play in the fourth quarter when it matters most. Yeah, 100%. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Of course, look out for our article with our full predictions and breakdown of the Super Bowl. That should be coming out soon. Um, go check out the website, thesmallballers.com. Trevor, uh, article tonight or tomorrow? Yes, sir. I'll be writing it today, and it'll be out later tonight. Perfect. You guys heard it here. You get a little NBA article, um, which will be really, really great, as it always is. Um, of course, follow us on Twitter, at thesmallballer. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!